0: Hi, I'm Justin Rosso, and welcome to this special episode of The Next Step Podcast, where we're talking about putting together sermon series in a communication culture in COVID but beyond. Today's special guest is a pastor I've known my whole life, Pastor Richard Rosso. Dad, welcome to The Next Step Podcast.
1: (laughs) Thank you, Justin. Nice to be here. (laughs) Hey,
0: we just got done watching the video that's embedded in this blog that we put together, Mm -hmm. and I wanted to get your initial take on that video about themes.
1: For me, of course, seeing this word theme up there just really resonated with with me. I've kind of been thinking about those sorts of things with regards to worship uh, for a long time and trying to mold even any um, worship settings and Mm -hmm. so forth in that with themes. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, yeah, there's a lot of good stuff there. I like a lot of things you said, broad and directional, something that resonates
0: course he's not actually talking about sermons. Right. I remember working with you on worship services and, and planning and, and sermon series as well and thematic worship, that idea that you would shape your confession absolution based on the theme or even choose your readings. even when we did pericable readings together, we would often choose uh, other readings that would directly support the theme, use them again in a hymn or as, as a part of a responsive reading or you know part of the benediction. Uh, So that the idea—tell me a little bit more about that idea of thematic worship.
1: It it first struck me when I would go to district conventions. Oh yeah. And they would have a theme for the district convention, Mm -hmm. you know, alive in Christ or whatever. Mm -hmm. And uh, while they would certainly use the steps of the traditional liturgy in the worship and the opening worship service Mm -hmm. and the closing worship service, etc., they were hitting this theme. Yeah. whatever it was to try and drive that point home to make it stick with all the clamoring that's out there for our attention in so many different ways. Those services really gave you a theme to take home and, and sit with for a while at least. It just didn't fade away and get lost in the background of all the noise. You were able to keep it with you. And I thought, well, if we do that at the district level, why can't we do that? maybe in a congregational level, give the people some, one or two things that they can maybe really hear and hopefully hang on to as you massage it in the service throughout the week.
0: Yeah, thanks. I appreciate that. Uh, and that could be done really standalone. A district convention worship service is intended to be kind of one and done. Mm-hmm. Today I want to particularly talk about this idea of sermon series. And, and some of how you construct your sermon series is based on what you expect from your hearers. So, I think I said in the article that when I started preaching, you would expect your regular worship attenders to be there pretty much every week. And you could, (laughs) I mean, you could structure your sermon series this week this way. Week two comes right after week one and right before week three. And that's kind of all your people needed because they're going to be here all three weeks anyway. Right. What was worship attendance like when you started ministry? First as a minister of discipleship, then as a, a preaching pastor, what was that
1: like? Yeah, way back then, in those days. Th- yeah, I think you're right. Worship attendance was you had a, a nice cadre of people who would show up Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. When I was working in the discipleship ministry, we even came upon the idea that if we're trying to connect to people who maybe were breaking attendance, you'd make little zones where people could watch for somebody who wasn't in the place that they always sat in. Yeah, because something was probably wrong. If they weren't there, maybe they were on vacation, but maybe a phone call. You know, John, mm-hmm. what, how are you doing? Mm-hmm. I noticed that you weren't in church Sunday. Well, <clears throat> while people still have a tendency to sit in the same place, <laughs> there. There isn't the, the the intentional frequency of of attending the public worship service. And with COVID-19 now, of course, yeah, that's just, that's totally blown some of that out of the water. And people are getting more in the habit of doing online things and so forth and so forth. Yeah, but yeah it's, it's dramatically changed. But even before COVID, it wasn't odd to have a very faithful member. Be there two out of the four or yeah. three out of the seven, or you know, and they were still, and they could have even been pretty active in the life of the
0: church. Absolutely. Some of that comes from our mobility. I mean, mm-hmm. if you're here, every, if you're in town, you're in church, yeah. but the number of times you're out of town on business or family vacation <clears> or whatever, <throat> that all changes. Mm-hmm. And then I, I completely agree, COVID, it feels like, has pushed us over the cliff. We've, this is a trend we've been going to towards for a long mm-hmm. time. Yeah. All of a sudden, COVID hits and regular worship attendance, goodness gracious. Uh, and I don't mean, I've watched sermons from three or four or five different congregations since COVID started, too. So now you've got that. You're, you're watching it. You might be on Facebook Live. You might be on YouTube. Oh boy, Who knows if yeah. you're doing it in the right order, on the right Sunday, whatever. So that's all, that's all a little bit different. So you've planned worship services, many worship services, planned many different kinds of sermon series. Talk to me a little bit about what you typically have thought or the way you've put together sermon series in the past.
1: When we started doing these sorts of things, you could almost assume that there's going to be some, a lot of people are going to be there Sunday after Sunday after Sunday after yeah. Sunday. Yeah. And it could be very much building block. So that was you, you almost were assuming some information, some teaching happened in week one that you're building onto in week two and expanding and then going on and so forth. Uh, that, of course, again, with the change in worship patterns, has meant they need to restructure, that they have to pretty much be standalone, even though they're connected thematically uh, with, a, with a thought, um, with a, a direction you want to go in the area of discipleship or faith building or uh, the, the, the nature of Christ holding up Jesus uh, mm-hmm. and, and making sure everybody, I mean, trying to get out the idea of how important he is in his dual nature or whatever mm-hmm. it happens mm-hmm. to be. Mm-hmm. It could be a very doctrinal teaching even. Mm-hmm. But they have to they 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 have to be able to be standing alone because somebody's gonna come here first week and they may not come back until the fourth week. Yeah. You know. So they have to be and yet fourth week four's gotta make sense to them when they show up or else they're not gonna come back to week fifteen, you yeah, know? So, yeah, yeah. so that's that's sort of changed how you approach sermon series and and the writing of it.
0: So I, I know you can do a sermon series that's exegetical. We're going to start with this book of the Bible. We're going to read it straight through. You can do one that's kind of topical. We're going to talk about the topic of marriage over the next four weeks or mm-hmm. family. Family life, yeah. Family life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, uh, or you can, I mean, when you follow the Prickable series, we would often pick several of the Prickable readings and kind of hang them together over four to six weeks, right. kind of like Lent or Advent. The Prickable series even has seasons built in like that. Sure, yeah. So now, if, you, if they have to be standalone, do you think we abandon the idea of sermon series in general, or do you still see value in trying to hang more than one week, but less than 52, uh, it, together in some kind of coherent direction?
1: Uh, yeah, I, I think, if nothing else, sermon series are, have remain just very important, if not even more so. Because you give this this theme is out there; it's, it becomes a life, a part of the life of the congregation for mm-hmm. the period of time that you're in it. Uh, you're heightening awareness, and if you're touching, you know, if they come one and come three and come six, third, first, third, and sixth week, you're still going to hear some of these same things that we think are important. Whether they're talking about the values of your congregation or whether they're talking about whatever it happens to be. I think uh, sermon series remain and remain to have a very important, uh, a very important role, even if even if they're only coming occasionally. Yeah, and it's in the age of COVID, if I might add, it's even more important. So part of what the sermon series does is give you a hook or a
0: scaffolding to to put today's teaching, today's sermon in, in this context in a way that helps it stick.
1: Yeah, that's a good way to put it. I wish I'd have said that. Well,
0: yeah, me too. (laughs) Uh, I wonder if, uh, how how long is too long for a sermon series, and how short is too short?
1: Wow. Um, Two weeks isn't really a series, hardly. Mm -hmm. I I would not advertise it or promote it or make my congregation aware that the first two Sundays in April are going to be, you know, (laughs) it's just, no. Uh, Depends upon the subject matter. Tension spans being what they are in our age of, you mm-hmm. know, microwave ovens and mm-hmm. instant this and everything. I have not developed anything longer than a Lenten now. I've, I've done six weeks during Lent a couple of times. And if you include a Sunday, a little bit ahead, for you know, you can get out to eight if you want to. But boy, that's, to me, starting to really stretch it. attention span how often they want to hear about sort of because if it's thematic you're kind of generally talking about some of the same stuff you're just looking at it the the jewel at different facets Mm -hmm. but you're still looking at this jewel Mm -hmm. and um, yeah my opinion would be I don't go beyond eight
0: I've seen some congregations like read through the whole Bible over the course of a church year or something mm-hmm. like that. And I think within that, you end up, the seasons help subdivide that theme. So I think you can extend it longer, but you're paying closer attention to the subdivisions then as well. Um, yep. I always felt it get a little bit herky-jerky if you're going from one four-week sermon series to another six-week sermon series to another four-week yeah. sermon series. And you really kind of get, uh, get almost distracted by how often the theme changes. Yes. Uh, I wonder if if having a a season of, well, of the church year, those help. But but also just like right now in our congregation, here's something we're trying to look at in all of our ministry areas. And we'll do one or two or maybe even three different sermon series that help fit this theme of joy or this theme of um, um, talking to your neighbor or whatever your your broad theme is. Mm -hmm. Can you break it up and do it in a couple different Bible studies, a couple different sermon series, make Mm -hmm. it fit together that
1: way? To try and connect what's going on in the life of the church with what's going on with the people of the church and their faith life as the Holy Spirit leads, yeah. guides, and directs them. So, and you said a really good thing. You know, the, already the principal system. I mean, we've already got seasons mm-hmm. that are great. You know, you have the Advent and Lent and the mm-hmm. Epiphany and all mm-hmm. those sorts of things. You do have some Epiphany season. You know, lights dawning. <laughs> yeah, you yeah, know? yeah, Advent, getting ready for the King. Mm-hmm. You know, all that. Uh, that's already there. There's stuff that's there. Uh, that that can easily be used, and that our longer-term members and our older members are used to hearing, maybe, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and becomes familiar to them, too. It doesn't sound like we're we're changing the world on them again.
0: Yeah. You know, that's one reason, like, uh, during Lent, my preference was always to have a single theme for both the Wednesdays and the Sundays. Uh, and you'd often take a little bit different look at it. Like, I remember once doing, uh, like, Monologues and or or even small group discussion during the midweek services, uh-huh. in a way that's different from what you did on a Sunday yeah. morning. Yeah. Um, or I remember when we were serving together, we did a sermon series in Lent on the body of Christ, and and one mm-hmm. of the things I liked about that, what we we did it both on Sundays and on Wednesdays, but but they were a little bit different focus in those two two kind of the services feel different Sunday morning and midweek Lenten worship. Uh, but you didn't have to, you know, if you're preaching on the hands of Christ or in the, the feet of Christ and the eyes of Christ and um, the back of you, you didn't have to Go from the feet to the hands. Otherwise, you didn't understand the feet yeah. the the feet or you know the the brow of Christ didn't have to come before the mouth of Christ because it, I mean there it all parts of the body they all fit together without having to uh, go in a specific order uh, and then I think Good Friday that year, you know, we did kind of a tenebrae service, but we did the different themes from the mm-hmm, the are. rest of the and, right. and, and put that together. and then you got an overview of the whole body together. but you didn't you know if you missed week three, it wasn't as big of a deal.
1: Yeah, yeah, they, they were they stood alone, but why they were sure connected.
0: Yeah, they stood alone, but they're, they were tightly connected too.
1: And, and it gave, the, and having that kind of a theme gave a unity to everything we were doing during Lent. Yeah, uh, yeah. it seemed to. I, I thought it worked quite well actually, yeah. and I think the people appreciated. I heard a number of good, you know, comments that they appreciated uh, and what it was meaning to their faith life. Yeah, they never thought about it in that in that way before, yeah. and how it enhanced or supported uh, their own spirituality, their own spiritual life.
0: Mm-hmm. Hey, uh, before we're done today, I just wanted yeah. to a- ask you one more thing, and that has to do with. Uh, One of the suggestions I'm making is that we think of the sermon beyond just the the time you spend in the pulpit on Sunday and Mm -hmm. look for ways to push that into different communication channels where people will run into it during the week. That could be uh, something like this, a sit-down conversation about the theme. It could be, you know, someone gets their phone out and interviews the pastor about something he said in the sermon right there on Sunday morning. Or maybe interview one of the people walking out of church. I don't know how risky you want to be. Uh, Uh, When I I worked with a congregation recently where they put together a sermon series, and I provided the supplemental, the the rest of the materials, including I think there were five different Instagram and Facebook posts that helped pick up on the theme that was in Sunday Morning and ask a question or share an image or a Bible verse from worship that all pointed back to that theme. And then, of course, you could link from any of those images back to the sermon video or audio or whatever. Uh, And my question is, uh, how is it reasonable to expect a pastor who started their ministry 20 or 25 years ago Mm -hmm. when you didn't have, I mean, your church didn't have a Facebook page and YouTube was, COVID has forced us to all of a sudden do things like online streaming or Vimeo or YouTube or Facebook Live. How do we capture that new experience of more broader, broader sermons, communication channels, without burdening the pastor? Like they've got to figure out how to, you know, use the latest gadget or, or you can't be an expert in Twitter and Facebook and homiletics. And,
1: yeah, yeah no not, not every pastor has every gift and not every pastor can be an expert in everything, which yeah. is why you've got to kind of be connected to your people. And I just, you know, I've been out of active, you know, I've been retired for a while. So, but I watched my brother go through this as a pastor uh, of, of a church up there at New Life in, in Swartz Creek. He'd been around 25 or 30 years or so, <laughs> and all of a sudden the ball game changed dramatically. Yeah. And they were already doing creative and new sorts of things anyway. Yeah, yeah but COVID is but a But COVID different ball is game. just a whole new ball game and how they had to, and then what you what he did and with the assistance of his of very talented staff there is reached out and found people in the congregation that the Lord provides that, that had some skills or had some insights or knew somebody who knew somebody and next, you know, they're producing really. I thought a pretty darn good product for Sunday morning streaming. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, the music director there, Brooke, you know, she had uh, multi you know, faces coming up on the screen and the voices singing harmony. I mean, there's like a whole group there, mm-hmm. even though they weren't there. Uh, just lots of creative, good worship experience in the living room. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and you just have you have to find you can't as a pastor. I don't know of any pastor who's got every gift and expertise in all the stuff. I mean, you mentioned uh, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube, all those kinds of things. And that's a whole other point, you know, having the opportunity to get a multifaceted way of communicating. We have to get it out there. We have to be able to do it. We have to look and seek help and ask and pray on it and ask God to bring people in, into our churches and our congregations that can do these kinds of things that we can see and and open up our eyes so we can use them. It's not just on me as the pastor anymore. Got to get the help because I'm not, I couldn't do an Instagram thing right now if you Mm -hmm. asked me to, I couldn't. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. But you're doing a
0: you're doing a podcast right now. Yeah. Not because you knew how to, but because yeah. there's somebody you knew that that could do that. That, that so, does it. That's right. I guess the idea it almost reminds me burrs like you walk through the field up in Michigan and you come back with the you oh, know the the, yeah, the burdock,
1: burdock thing yeah, yeah, yeah. The,
0: on your legs. Of course, that's a negative thing because they can itch <laughs> and their net. But but think <laughs> of the purpose of them. They've got all those different connection points so that they can latch onto something. So yeah. that the seed that's going to provide <laughs> growth and new life can be carried along and taken into sure. different contexts. And in a positive way, I think our communication strategies as a as a church can be like that. Not not in a negative, but in a positive way. The more birds you can the more different kind of fingers you can put on your preaching ministry, the more likely it will be that they will grab somebody somewhere, and and if they lead people back to that proclamation of the word, then then you've extended your service. Right, and I don't
1: think it diminishes the office of the pastoral ministry at all.
0: For me, the idea would be even if you're in the pulpit for 22 minutes every Sunday and that's your primary preaching style, you can still have the dialogue between an elder and a layperson that goes on your Facebook page. Yeah. Or you can have the blog written yes. by an informed layperson that, that unpacks what they heard and how they tried to live it out. Sure. Or you can have someone do take the bulletin cover and make it into... A, you know, They can tweet the bulletin cover with a link back to the YouTube sermon that mm-hmm. you didn't want to do, but you're doing COVID, so you have to do it anyway, so yeah. you know you've got a YouTube That's sermon. That's right. That's right. How do you connect them together in such a way that if you pull on one string, it 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 makes the whole network kind of resonate, yeah. and you can follow the sermon series even if you don't do it in order.
1: Yeah.
0: Hey, thanks for for taking taking time to sit down mm-hmm. and think through sermon series with yeah, me. Yeah, thank you. I enjoy it. I enjoy re- it.
1: Re- you know thinking some of these things, and recalling some of the things we've done, and we've had some success, and where we kind of you know wish we'd have done a little bit differently, yeah. but yeah. that's all right. <laughs> The proclamation of his grace to us in Jesus Christ is that they've got to be right at smack dab. And however that happens, Luther could never have imagined what we've got. Right. In his apocalypse, John <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> maybe saw some of it.
1: <laughs> but uh, but but you know the sermon is 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 so critical, so vital to the worship and the spiritual life of the people. And uh, however we can get that 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 word uh, out to the folks in a meaningful and a dynamic way that's fresh and, and touches their hearts as the Holy Spirit works, I think is critical. Thanks for the opportunity.
0: Yeah, and, and I think Luther shared that word beyond Sunday morning. The the congregation as a hub of interaction during the week was something that would have been oh, familiar to him. Yeah. We have that same possibility. Yeah. It's not in the church building yeah. But during COVID, it hasn't been in the church building anyway. That's right. But how do you engage that big picture theme yeah. in, in concrete and specific ways beyond Sunday morning and, and across multiple weeks? Yeah. Th-
1: thanks yeah. for the conversation today. Out of the church office. Out of the church office. <laughs> and
0: away we go. That was Pastor Richard Rosso, and I'm Pastor Justin Rosso. Thanks for joining us today on the Next Step Podcast. As always, we invite you to check out what it means to be a patron and support a next step. Patrons make it possible. And this episode of the Next Step Podcast was made possible by the support of patrons like you. This podcast episode is part of a blog series where we're trying to live out the idea that you should put things in more than one communication channel. So make sure you check out the links in the description of this podcast so you can read the broader discussion about sermon series and a preaching ministry life after COVID. Thanks for joining us today. and We'll see you next time at Next Step Press.